Well, the province, they have finally resumed elective surgeries, but there's new data that shows that many might not see the OR for some time. In fact, there could be delays that last for, how about this, up to a year for the next year. Natalie Mayer is the executive director with the Ontario Health Coalition and joins us now here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Natalie, good afternoon and welcome to the show. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me, Jeff. Well, nice to speak with you. Uh, Just how many surgeries exactly are we talking about here? Thousands, uh, literally thousands. And it's not just surgeries. And they're not just elective, actually. I mean, there are elective surgeries, but people with um, all kinds of surgeries and all kinds of treatments, cancer treatments and other treatments have had them delayed, diagnostic tests, you know, the whole range of hospital procedures and tests and things have been delayed uh, through the pandemic for obvious reasons. But now the catch-up is is starting. We're hearing from patients who are getting their surgeries now across Ontario, but many people still waiting. And what does that wait do to a patient? And I'm thinking in particular, you just mentioned cancer surgeries. I could only imagine the psychological effects, of Natalie, on somebody that's uh, awaiting and has had delayed a cancer surgery. I know. it's. I've had that actually before the pandemic. It is frightening and um you know you live with a with a level of stress the entire time depending on you know what your what your diagnosis is and what your prognosis is it's scary i think um you know through through the first wave of the pandemic they did try to get in people who were waiting for emergency surgeries as much as possible at the very beginning of course all of the policy was around you know all of the plans and so on that were happening in hospitals were were because Everyone thought what happened in New York was going to happen here, and then it didn't really happen here. Um, And so I think as we move forward, the question is, is there a better way to plan for a second wave uh, so that that kind of thing doesn't happen? Is there a way of, um, as in Ebola, the hospital identified uh, Ebola, like hospitals that took the Ebola patients and others did not uh, in order to keep on with um, all of the regular work or at least as much as possible. Those sorts of things need to be identified and put in place now. Yeah. Are those conversations happening? Do you know? Because, yeah, we've talked about that uh, time and again on the show as we've all sort of journeyed through this pandemic uh, together, whether or not we did exactly the right thing when it comes to our hospitals and serving uh, everybody. And would it be better if, uh, you know, unfortunately, it looks like the pandemic is going to be with us uh, for some time? Uh, what is the best way to truly treat, uh, you know, all of our healthcare concerns in this province? Is it, as you suggest, maybe designating certain hospitals as COVID and others that are non-COVID that could still continue on with surgeries? Yeah, there are there are a whole bunch of t- uh, tables, planning tables, and um, uh, like that that are um, being uh, organized between the hospitals themselves and with government. And they have been in discussions about that, but I have not heard any kind of public uh, release or information about where those discussions have gone and and whether they have landed on anything. I think in the first wave, you know, um, people did the best they could. And I think that, you know, as a patient advocate, I think it was the best that could have been done given the information that was known at the time. And we don't usually say that. I mean, often it's far less than what needs to happen. But given what was going on in New York, there was every reason to believe that our hospitals were going to end up in the same kind of complete apocalypse, you know, that that we saw and we're seeing now in the southern U.S. unfold. 
it's not to say that that couldn't still happen and the planning still needs to take that into account. Um, but, uh, but it didn't happen. Thank goodness here. Uh, and so I realize that patients, I, I mean, by and large, people really understand and even through their personal fear and often pain, people are waiting in pain and so on. They understand what's happening. It's just, it's just a, you know, tragic, horrible period of time for people really. Without a doubt, without a doubt. Uh, what is going on to clear the backlog? What is happening? Are we just trying to get as many, or do we have as many operating rooms open as possible, doing as many surgeries as we possibly can with the facilities and the doctors and staff available? We're trying to get a handle on that. Uh, it's not clear, and there again, there hasn't been a lot of public reporting on this, and there really should be. Uh, prior to COVID-19, as you know, and as you've talked about, um, you know, the hospitals were very overcrowded. What we're hearing now is that uh, hospitals are back up to almost full or getting very full again. Uh, some are, you know, over 100%. They're well over 80% in some uh, parts of the province. So they're getting full again. Uh, they have definitely ramped up surgeries uh, and treatments across the province. We're now talking about healthcare staff that has, by and large, not had vacation since the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, you know, been on call on weekends, you know, no time off, et cetera. All of this, uh, I think hospitals are trying hard to balance. Uh, all of this, trying to keep the staff healthy and okay and able to function and also plan for a second wave. And they have ramped up at the same time uh, all of these procedures. It's really, you know, it's a monumental task uh, and things keep changing. So you can appreciate the complexity of it. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because it's something that hadn't occurred to me, Natalie, but you're absolutely right about our healthcare heroes that have been through so much on the front lines, uh, not only physically, but obviously emotionally as well, going into work day after day uh, during this. And now to kind of come, not through this, we're certainly not through the pandemic, but to, now that we're doing elective surgeries again, to look at a backlog of work uh, facing them, I, I can only imagine the challenge that's in front of an already tired staff. Huge. And, you know, provincially, it's not... We definitely need, we needed more capacity in hospitals prior to the pandemic, right? Every major city, Toronto, every major city in the province, every large town, their hospitals were running at more than 100% capacity, meaning every bed full almost all the time. Patients lined up in hallways and sunrooms and, you know, family lounges and so on and so forth, waiting for beds. Uh, you know, that uh, situation is getting, is arriving again as hospitals are getting fuller again. Uh, and we have seen some moves towards building new capacity in the public hospitals. That's the right thing to do. Uh, building uh, new buildings, even fast-tracking as a Trillium in Mississauga, fast-tracking a new long-term care building, et cetera. All of those things need to happen. They need to happen quickly. Um, and, uh, and then contingency plans made and uh, ready uh, for uh, a potential, let's hope it doesn't come, but, you know, for a potential second wave in the fall. All right. An important discussion to be sure. Natalie, really appreciate the time with us on this Friday afternoon. Thanks so much. Uh, thanks for having me. Take care. You as well. Natalie Mayer, Executive Director of the Ontario Health Coalition.